Episode 14 is upon us, but before we get into White Heat, you know what I got to talk to you about. I've been preaching about this for probably a good two months by now, but I can't stop preaching it because guess what? I just saw my first commercial recently for 2022 vehicles coming out. That's right. We're getting towards... The start of we're getting towards back to school season, which means you're going to see a lot more of those commercials coming out and even hear them on the radio as well. And even on your favorite podcasts about 2022 models coming out to the market. That doesn't change the situation right here, right now in the used vehicle market. You're looking to do a trade in. You go to a lot of dealerships, not just around here where I am in upstate New York or where JJ is in Connecticut, but really nationwide, there's a lot of dealers that don't have the inventory for you to turn around after you sell your vehicle and try to buy a new lightly used vehicle that you can trust and depend on for years with your family and your loved ones. But I have the solution. I don't care if you're in the up, if you're in the upstate New York area, around Albany, Connecticut, Detroit. If you're out near Watertown or Syracuse, hell, even if you're in Connecticut, two to three hours away, you're gonna want to go to Mohawk Honda, located on Freeman's Bridge Road in the Scotia Glenville area of upstate New York, where they not only will be able to give you a fair and right price for your trade-in, they also have the largest inventory of certified pre-owned vehicles for you to look at, for you to test drive, and then for you to eventually buy in the upstate New York area, really anywhere in the Northeast. They have tremendous people looking for, out for your values and for what you want in a vehicle, not just looking to sell you whatever they think is the best vehicle for you. So there you go. Go to Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road, in the Scotia Glenville area of upstate New York. Again, I don't care if you're from the Capital District area of New York. I don't care if you're from Central New York in the Syracuse, Utica area, or if you're over in Connecticut like JJ is. Go over to Mohawk Honda because selection is king and no one has more to choose from for your certified pre-owned vehicle needs than Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Hello, my little butterflies, or in the case of uh, what the mask that JJ is wearing, I guess, all my fireflies. Welcome to episode 14 <laughs> of White Heat here on Godzilla Media. And also, like I mentioned, we're sponsored by Mohawk Honda. We're also sponsored by our friends over at Johnstone Supply, 2600 6th Avenue in Troy, as part of the upstate New York area. And, you know, even though things are a little cooler this week than they were last week, it's still summertime. We could get any number of heat waves between now and when fall really kicks in around late September, early October. So if you're having AC issues, go check them out. they got a ton of great models in stock, including Fujitsu and Westinghouse. And hey, if you just have an AC that needs you know, a new contact or a new capacitor, no problem. They've got those parts as st in stock as well. So go and visit them. Johnstone Supply in Troy, 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. Or give them a call, 518-272-5922. That all being said, JJ, we have a ton of stuff to get to, and I'm just going to be upfront about this. If you came here because you love the hot list, I mean, we love that you love the hot list. It's one of our favorite segments every week. But this week, there's no hot list because there's so much shit to get on between AAA, uh, what happened last weekend, between all the stuff that's been announced with New Japan and what happened at their events last weekend in L.A. It's SummerSlam weekend. It's TakeOver 36 weekend. We have so much stuff to get to. 
that for this week, we're skipping the hot list. I didn't want to do it, but we just we said so we literally like and I, I showed JJ this. Like, you know, I have mm-hmm. usually have a few notes about stuff non WWE TV related that I have in my phone. I literally had like a full page of notes this week. That's how much yeah. shit has been going on. Um but let's dive in head first and let's allow Mr. Alexander to get a little angry. By the way, don't forget, if you're checking <laughs> us out on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the Godzilla Media channel. And no matter where you listen to your podcast, whether it's here on whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, make sure you rate us, make sure you leave a, a review and help us spread the channel. Spread the word about your good boys, JJ and Brian, because that's what we're here for. Uh, but let me get into it. Let's get into it first. Um, I'm going to allow you to take the podium first so you can get this off your chest. I know you mentioned this during the week. Um, I personally have not seen the debut episode yet. So honestly, I don't know if I really want to watch it anyways, because it's Stephen Amell. I'm not a big Stephen Amell guy, but anyways, (laughs) the floor is yours. Go ahead. You can state your piece about your uh, your hatred for heels. And no, I'm not talking about wrestling character heels. I'm talking about the TV show that just came out. Go ahead. So I actually went back and watched the pilot again last night. Thinking maybe I was just in a bad mood. No, 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 no. There are so many things wrong with this show. And like, I was so glad that freaking at least uh, I was like, like, because I see every freaking person who's watched it, who's a worker, kissing ass about the show. There's only one other worker I saw who agreed that, no, sorry, two other workers who said this is absolute shit. That were H.C. Loke and Maverick Wild, who I'm in good company. <laughs> um, I had so... I had really high hopes for this show because it's the same guy who's a writer on Rick and Morty and who's a writer on uh, the next Doctor Strange movie. And I just... uh, It's like... How do I put this? Heels is like if Friday Night Lights and Glow got really wasted and had a fucking meth baby. That's what it's like. It's about this indie fed in this one horse fucking town in Georgia where apparently like this is the biggest thing the town has going um because they run shows weekly and like everybody comes to the shows and uh like you know it's like Having a like, they have their own building, which looks like it's it, it it's it looks like it used to be a warehouse or factory of some sort, but now it's their dome. It's like their sportorium, and it's run by this guy whose father owned the indie and left it to him. And him and his brother are wrestlers, and there's like eight other guys in the whole fucking fed. I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> and fucking and Stephen Amell plays the guy who's the booker. Who's also the champ, which shocker. Right. And it opened the first fucking scene of this show is the silhouette of Stephen Amell's the back of his head sitting there at a laptop 
writing the script for his match that night. Word for word. Move for move. I mean, there are... I mean, not now, but there have been stories of certain... I mean, not typed out, but like... Try to think. Like, there's. We all, know, like, we all know, like Savage and Steamboat, like wrote right. out a bunch of stuff. Right, and then Brett, but Brett did the same it, for the Bulldog yeah. match at SummerSlam. Right, because he kind of had to. And him and Piper, I mean, they didn't write it down per se, but they pretty much discussed. Right. I don't know if they really went move for move, but they discussed the general. Motion of their WrestleMania exactly. A match, but I mean, exactly. generally speaking, you don't hear a whole lot of stories like that. I understand. Right. There's a big difference between, and the the thing is, like, we're supposed to believe that this kid was raised by an old school worker from the fucking '80s. So there is a definite disconnect between the way old school people were taught and the way indie rific bullshit goes now. Because good workers know, here's your beginning, here's your cutoff, here's your finish. Work the crowd and fill in the spots in between. Don't go move, 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 move. I right. The first time I, I was soured on Chikara for a year after the first time I met anyone in a locker room because there was a 10-man tag and they literally rehearsed every move of that 10-man tag three times. What, in the ring before the show or just in the locker room? No, in the locker room. Like, well, in a way, they did think. Uh, all right. So, I know this is kind of shitting on something that I don't know about wrestlers have a, a love for, but I know there's a lot of wrestling fans that have this infatuation over. There was a very similar scene in The Wrestler. Like, if you go to, oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember which, which one was it? It was whatever show where they showed. Uh, I can't remember the oh Mickey Rourke. I almost forgot the actor's yeah. name. Holy shit! I remembered Randy the Ram, but I couldn't remember Mickey Rourke. The but it was it was whatever show. I think it was the first show they showed him yeah, on in that movie. Where he goes in the locker room, boom, 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 Ram Jam. We go and have a beer. Yeah, right. But even like aside from that, they were they were also doing cutaways to different guys, and they were talking about. Like depending on which cutaway they went to, there was it. Right. Certain guys were being more in depth and detailed. So I mean, right. you know, and also it depends from worker to worker. Like some guys like going out there just knowing what the start and finish is going to be, and then whatever the fuck is the rest, and they could do yeah. twenty minutes like that. There's other mm -hmm. guys where, especially if they're on the greener side and like, you know, newer, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of need that almost step-by-step -step direction. Mm -hmm. um, so... <sighs> Thank you for pointing that considering out. The, I want <laughs> considering the situation you're bringing up, I get it because technically, I mean, given the... Because from what it sounds like, the way they're trying to portray these characters, these aren't green guys. These guys have been doing it for a while, so you shouldn't need step-by-step, -step, which I think what you're getting to... Um, so I get that. 
Um, yeah. But anyways, go so, ahead. You wanted to say something. So, yeah. So not only does he write the script for his matches, he hands everybody scripts for all their matches every week for every show. It's a bit much. Yeah. So, then the whole thing is his baby brother, who's a Dolph Ziggler knockoff, comes fucking back to town, who apparently hasn't worked in the indie fed in a couple of months, and they're coming back for brother versus brother for the fucking title. Oh, you know, stories all the time, yada, yada, yada. And they, apparently, this indie that hasn't been packing their houses and has been doing shows in the parking lot of a Golden Corral, all of a sudden, because of this one match, all of a sudden has a sellout crowd with six days. Kind of hard to believe. Meantime, there's these YouTube videos, and it shows that it shows that the Booker is very savvy, and he puts their stuff up on YouTube and everything to get the word out. There's YouTube videos of this other indie company in Florida, mind you, they're in Georgia. This other indie company in Florida who use old TNA footage for other shit. It's all from Tax Barbwire, yada yada. It's all like old abyss shit. And the whole video is ta talking shit about their indie fed and how they're going to put them out of business. Like, you're in another fucking state. That's not how this works. Like, no. And then they fucking... The whole thing centers around that the baby brother is supposed to be the baby face, but he's a dick to everyone in town. He's a fucking, what do you call it? He fucking, he fucking shoplifts from the fucking local fucking convenience store. He tells people to fuck off. He's like, there's people waiting to sign autographs and he doesn't show up. Like, kid's a dick. And this guy comes down who was apparently like their dad's biggest like feud guy, like partner. Like they work together so much. And oh, that's another thing. Beginning, like, the, the, the exposition shots in the beginning show Stephen Amell out jogging on a Sunday morning, and there's a billboard for Duffy Wrestling League, DWL, for this ladder match between his dad and this other guy that's been up there for, has to be at least fucking 15 years, because it looks 90s if it's lucky. Like, no one's bought that billboard since then. Like, it's, and it's like, it's, ah, so this dude comes back and he is such an obvious Michael Hayes ripoff. He comes down and he's like, he's, he's dressed like Michael Hayes. He's got a fucking snakeskin suit with the fucking cowboy hat. When he takes it off, he's got the long hair that's so like only comes about here and fucking talks, you know, handlebar mustache, fucking talks all Southern and everything. And then he's just, he, he tells him that he got sent from the boys up North to scout talent. Because they might want to bring the Dolph Ziggler looking kid into developmental. So it's obviously fucking Michael Hayes. Sits there talking about it, blah, 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 blah. And then the whole thing is Stephen Amell's like, all right, so um, you're going to do the job tonight. 
And he's like, I deserve the fucking belt, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, if you were both raised by a fucking seasoned worker, you know the belt is a fucking work. And if you're about to get signed by the fucking big guys, number one, it doesn't fucking matter if you get the belt. Number two, you always do the business. You always do business on the fucking way out. Number three, what the fuck's his company supposed to do if you put the fucking belt on him and then he walks? We've had that situation happen to us. It's not fucking pretty. But the whole time, this kid's all, I want the belt. I want the belt. I want, like, like a fucking child. And then here's what really gets me. So he's got a girlfriend that is his valet that is apparently trained and is a valet and has been a valet there for many, many months. There's this chick who I, they haven't established how she's related to anyone else in it, but she's basically like, she's basically like the producer. She's got the fucking set and she's telling everyone when their fucking card is up and everything. Keeps kicking her out of the locker room. She's like, valets don't belong in the locker room. I'm like, it's fucking 2021, you fucking bitch. Like, valets, ring announcers, referees, workers, we all share the same fucking locker room. This ain't the fucking 50s. This ain't women go off to the fucking kitchen. No. Fuck you. Like, give me a fucking break. And they drill it in like four fucking times during this first episode. About how she's, uh, yo, about how valets are below everyone else and shit. And how women aren't allowed in the locker room. Like, she's part of his match. She kind of has to be there to figure out if she has to do anything during the course of the match. But no, because Stephen Amell has never actually worked for an indie. So he doesn't know how these things go. And so that fucking, and, and it's like, and then like <clears throat> fucking great value Dolph Ziggler keeps fucking sitting outside with fucking great value Michael Hayes. And like, they're sitting there drinking and popping oxys and shit. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta go into business for yourself tonight. Like, uh, you know, you gotta make yourself look great. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, dude, if you were actually scouting talent for fucking WWE, you'd be telling him, all right, so you're going to do the job. Just make, just look good while you're out there. That's it. They don't care if you fucking go over or not. Because guess what? If you're going to developmental, chances are you're going to be doing the job for the next couple of your fucking years. So they want to see how well you do the job and still keep the audience. It's pretty fucking simple. And so fucking... It's just... It's so fucking ridiculous. And so, like, they fucking... They, they like... He, he, like, and the kid keeps coming up with his own finishes that it's like, he's just like, oh yeah, you know, so I super kick you and then you get up and then I super kick you again. And then, then I'm just like, oh, and I, I wait because I don't want the match to be done yet. And then, so I pick you up and we look at each other because we're brothers. We love each other. We're brothers. And we kind of smile at each other. We shake hands and then bam, I super kick you one, two, three, I get the belt. Like, that's what a fucking heel does. You fucking idiot. You're the baby face. Like. You're supposed to have been raised by this fucking guy and you don't know shit about the fucking business. And then it just, they, they just decide to twist the knife in a little bit when right before they go out, they're standing there side by side trying to figure out, and he's just like, fine, I'll, I'll do the job. I don't need it. So I'm getting the fuck out of here. You can stay here and be just like dad and up fucking killing yourself too. Like, really? Like we fucking needed that. So we find out that the Indy Fed was dying and the fucking father was an alcoholic and he ended up fucking off with himself. Like, 
That's something you could have revealed further along, not in the first fucking episode. And then they go out and fucking, they go out and literally, because the whole thing was the kid was planning on going into business for himself and all this shit. So Stephen Amell called the fucking Iggy. And, he, and they basically did their own Montreal screw job. Fucking goes in, the kid's celebrating. Like, while the kid's music is still playing, he just goes, fucking German suplexes him off the fucking off the fucking second rope and then fucking puts the fucking Fujiwara armbar and just keeps pulling. The ref's like, Jack, you're going to hurt him. Jack, you're going to hurt him. He's like, you better call the fucking match then. And so then the ref stops the match when the kid's fucking crying and shit. And so, like, the kid never tapped out. Like, the match lasted 10 seconds. Like, so it was, like, kind of half Montreal screw job, half Sting and fucking Jeff Hardy. Fucking, and then like fucking, he just like starts walking out. He 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 gets up. The fucking baby face gets up, gets pissed, punches him in the face. The crowd starts booing. The crowd's throwing garbage in the ring, and that's the fucking fade out of the first fucking episode. Then apparently on the next episode, the kid's gonna go into a fucking spiral of being pissed because now he's not gonna get signed because he looked like shit in that one match, and um. Apparently, the owner of the the, the 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 fucking Outlaw Mud Show in fucking Florida is saying that he's going to come up and buy their company. Why? I have no fucking clue. I have a lot of problems with what you just explained. <laughs> but not for... But it's for a very explicit reason. Mm-hmm. So this is supposed to be a TV show, right? Yep. A series. Yep. In my mind, now I could be, now I don't work in Hollywood, obviously. <laughs> Clearly I don't work in Hollywood. I never worked TV. I've never worked movies, but hypothetically, and I don't know who the fuck is the the writers. I don't know the writers for the show. I don't know the producers. I'm assuming Stephen Amell is part of writing or producing, but who the fuck knows? And supposedly, like they have DDP and Luke Hawks as consultants on this fucking show, right? And I remember seeing Luke Hawks doing a few tweets about it, like pictures. Of, there was, like, for example, there was a, he tweeted out a picture of him, Punk, and Stephen Amell a few days right, ago. Because Luke Hawks does most of the in-ring training for the guys, because right. you know that's what you want as a guy that never amounted anything. But anyways, right. Um, but so to me, they basically in this first episode. Hot shot at what could have been an entire season's worth of angle. Oh yeah, definitely. Like you, like if 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 this was supposed to be such a big match, you could have gone episode one. Brother comes back. Like you can show, like you can keep doing like the Stephen Amell what he does day to day with the company, whatever, and do that. But at the end of the episode, the brother returns. Episode two, they eventually work towards booking the match at the end of that episode. Episode and so on and so forth, and then have your season, your series, your uh, season finale be the match. 
Right. Okay. No, they just threw it all in no, one fucking They bag. just basically took what could have been a whole season worth of TV and or crammed it into the whole episode. Right. And not only that, but like they're they're basically portraying it like this indie company is this guy's like main source of revenue. Like everyone, every other indie worker has a day job, except this guy. And he's got the dome and he's got all the, cause daddy left it all to him. And like, so then he fights with his wife about having to buy fog machines and GoPro cameras. Cause they're broke. Like, it, well, no. here's, here, here's my, here's my, here's my question. Okay. Cause again, I haven't even read anything about this show, let alone watch this debut episode that you watched. Is the premise of this series supposed to be? I'm assuming it's supposed to be focused on Stephen Mel's character as promoter slash owner slash mm-hmm. talent, correct? Yeah, slash, yeah, yeah. So if that's the case, I, like to me. How am I even want to put this? Okay, what you did was you basically shit on any idea of a full background mm-hmm. to what a true promoter owner does. Yeah. Like, example. If there's one thing I can, if there's one thing. If I'm going to point out just one thing for the comparison's sake, with with the wrestler. Um, it showed uh, Randy the Ram trying to get work. It showed him doing autograph signings. It showed him right. training, tanning, whatever. Like, they actually showed you behind the scenes of what goes into being part of the business. Not right. necessarily all good things, but yeah. they showed you it nonetheless. Yeah. Okay? Um, not so sure the the rat and blow scene was really necessary, but whatever. Um, or blow and rat, whatever order it was in. Anyways. Um, right, right. Um, whereas here, this was an opportunity, in my opinion, where you could have allowed a mainstream wrestling audience to be exposed to a part of professional wrestling they might not know jack shit about. Right. Because let's be frank, the audience you get at indie shows is, and I don't know if this is lowballing or not, 5%, 10% of the mainstream audience, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like just do it from a numbers perspective. Let's be hypothetical and say you have a house. A good normal indie house is what? Three, four hundred? God. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, let's go let's go with now, you're lucky to get a hundred. Right. But but like for you know, for the events you for for companies that market correctly bring in quality talent and are known for bringing quality yeah. talent every show have good angles like okay. we'll say 250 you're not running a high school gym you're limited to space and about two, right. two to three we'll, we'll call 250 we'll say 250 and call it in the middle right yeah. sure let's say that's 
that representation, hypothetically, is because let's assume you have a bigger arena area that does draw in a WWE, even just a live event. Those arenas are always going to be 10 to 15K minimum. Yeah. So hypothetically, your 250 that you're bringing in for an indie show represents... Two and a half percent, yeah, of your mainstream wrestling audience in your area, yeah. So about five percent is a fair number. Like five percent of your mainstream audience are the also ones that go to indie shows and just enjoy being around the business. Right. You had an opportunity to expose ninety-five percent of the other wrestling fans mm-hmm. to what the other five percent already know. Yep. And instead, you're just yeah, you're AEWing the whole thing for lack of oh, a better yeah. phrase. Oh yeah, it's just it's it, it's just it, it's and the whole thing is like this indie fed is made of like these eight fucking guys and like and they're bringing like one or two random ass like journeymen like it's like so there's like one guy who's like I've been working. DWL for eight years, but Ace comes back for one night and he's already in the main event. But he's like, but I'm the one that pops the crowd the most. And I'm just like, I, it's, uh, and then it's just the whole thing is Stephen Amell like trying to figure out how he's going to book this fucking finish, like through the whole fucking. If you are the fucking person who books every person's match every fucking week. For God knows how long, you should know how to book a fucking match without needing to take church off because you got to write the script. Fuck off. I can't come to church. I got to write the script. I don't know how this match is going to go. Fuck off. Coming for someone who wrote out a book on the fly, fuck off. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to. Come right there with you. It's just there's a there's a lot of holes that we're exposing. A lot of holes in the heels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll give it two more episodes before I tell the show to completely fuck off. <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward to your like, report next week. Like Mike Johnson from BW Insider said, "Trust me, the series gets better, and you'll really start liking it by the third or fourth episode." I'm like, eh, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> I think more than CM Punk popping up as a fucking journeyman in episode three for me to keep watching. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Let's move on to actual professional wrestling. And I want to transition into uh, Triple Mania down uh, in AAA, down in Mexico, last Saturday night. Now, I don't know. First of all, did you watch the stream that I mentioned? All right. All right. So let let me put this out there. All right. Because I watched, I'll call it 75% of the card. Okay. Um, so, what I saw was a triple threat match for the tag team titles, which um, I expected what I saw. Um, yep. And considering what I was expecting to see, it, it, it came off a lot better than any triple threat tag match I've ever seen in AEW. Let me put it that way. Well, yeah. Um, even though half the talent in the match were AEW, yeah. um, because they're the Lucha Brothers defending and successfully defending at that, 
Um, Brian Cage was a mystery partner for uh, one of the teams. Yeah. And then there was a third team as well. Um, obviously, it was a triple threat match. Um, considering what I expected to see, it was a really good match. Then we come to... Did you watch the Marvel match? No. Uh, I saw the I saw the clip of the Spider-Man character very slowly ziplining <laughs> down to the arena. I think you get my point about how slow it was. Like, like let me put it this way. When you think of ziplining and wrestling, the first thought that comes to mind is Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania 12. Right. Put that on 120th speed. <laughs> and that's basically how Spider-Man, the Spider-Man character was coming into Good the line. arena for Triple Mania. It was very... It wasn't even just slow. It was slow, and they purposely stopped him. Like... If Eddie's hanging upside down during this, because he's Spider-Man, because he's so he's supposed to. So think of this. Not only is he going slow, but they're also stopping, and he's literally like at a 45-degree angle hanging upside down. So blood is rushing to the head as he's slowly ziplining and making stops along the way for what essentially amounted to no fucking reason. Triple A decided to do their own production of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Oh my god. It was it was like I've never been big on entrances that involve zip lining or dropping down or whatever. Yeah. And this is this was even before the Owen Hart thing. Like yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of the sting drop downs in ninety seven. It was like eh, whatever. Yeah. But like that was by far the worst I'd ever seen. Like, I can't even explain if you didn't see it, go look it up. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube somewhere. I didn't see the match, but I at least saw the clip of that when they were... I just heard Brian Cage play Thanos. He didn't... He didn't wear anything. He was just in his wrestling trunks. He didn't... He was in, oh, if he was in the Marvel match, I, have, I had no idea. That's what I'm saying. In the Marvel match, they had everyone under hoods and shit, but apparently they're, 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 someone played oh. Thanos, and uh, I guess it was unmistakably Brian Cage. Well, it's hard to... Yeah, it's it's hard to put Brian under a mask these days. Um, oh jeez, that's nice. Um, then I saw a clusterfuck of a trios match, and when I say clusterfuck, I mean clusterfuck. Um, it was La Impresa, which means the Empire. For those of you who don't know Spanish, um, which involved I don't remember if I know this guy. There was a, uh, was it Sam Adonis, I think it was? Mm -hmm. The the name sounded familiar, and I can't put my finger on why. Sorry, I'm scrolling to see. All right, so here we go. Because I want to make sure I say who was in the match correctly. So it was La Impressa against a AAA team. Uh, Pagano, Chessman, and Murder Clown. Lon Presso was Puma yeah. King, Sam Adonis, and DMT Azul. Why is Sam Adonis sound familiar? Mm. Oh, he's Corey Graves' brother. That's probably uh, why. That's probably why it sounds familiar. Um, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
Okay. Um, which law press a one and I'll say this. Sam had good heel work in the match, but the match overall was just a clusterfuck of all clusterfucks. Now, you, ex- you expect mayhem in a trios match, obviously, because yeah. if they're following traditional trios rules, there's no tags. Once a right. guy goes out, somebody else can come in without needing to tag, whatever. Right. But, it like, for, for some that you told me, like, I remember you telling me, like, there's supposed to be more storytelling involved. I feel like there's supposed to be more storytelling involved, especially oh, yeah. in an event like event, the AAA, the yeah. event of the year for AAA. Yeah. Uh-huh. There were, the only the only storytelling there was was how much of a fat fuck up Chessman was the entire match. Like, like Chessman looked like a dude that was thirty pounds overweight and had no business being in the ring. And I think legitimately, like, eventually, obviously they played it off as it was part of the show, but I. I think at some point he was causing legitimate heat between himself and Murder Clown, who was on his fucking team. Well, um, yeah, because weren't they supposed to? Weren't they the ones with the hair versus mask match at the end of the show? Mm-mm. No, no. I could have no. sworn Murder, Murder Clown and someone. Uh it was uh, Psycho Clown is the one that was in that match. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, before by the way, before those two matches was Diana winning the. Uh, Reina Darina's title, so now she is the AAA Women's Champion and the Impact Women's Champion. I know you're not... (laughs) Who knows? Um, Now we get into... Now this is where I really want to shit on things, okay? And you're probably not going to be shocked that I'm going to shit on things here. Kenny Omega Ah! and Andrade. All right. And trust me, there's going to be more Kenny Omega coming up later in the show. Maybe not directly, but he'll be mentioned later in the show. Now, before the trios match, they cut backstage after the tag title match and showed Conan trying to go into Andrade's locker room. And Andrade basically saying, I got this. I don't need you. Then he goes to Kenny's locker room and says, I have a business proposition for you. Hola, I got the business proposition for you. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And Kenny's like, really? Really? What the fuck? Really? Really? And then it says, all right, come on in. They're locking their fucking to each other. Like, to me, that's the, just, like, whatever. Yeah. But then it comes to put one and one together because Kenny comes out first, which, why the chip? I'm not a fan of champions coming out first, but whatever. So Kenny comes out first with Conan, whatever. Andrade comes out. But before he comes all the way down the entranceway, Ric Flair's music hits. Now, considering the ending of the match, which I'll go over in a second... Let's just go over the basics of the world right now. COVID 2.0, also known as the Delta variant, is out there. Uh-huh. Ric Flair is a senior citizen uh-huh. with predisposed conditions uh-huh. in his health history, uh-huh. including, if I remember correctly, what was it, a heart attack, heart transplant, something like that recently uh-huh. in the last two years? 
Mm-hmm. Why in the ever-living fuck is the Flair family... I don't give a shit if he just got released by WWE or whatever. Why the fuck? Like, to me, this is where Conrad Thompson steps in and goes, all right, you're my father-in-law, but you're fucking crazy. You're staying home. Like, he gets on a plane, clearly, and goes to Mexico where there's a mask mandate and a size restriction to the crowd for the event. Because of this Delta variant, and he goes to this show to perform, uh-huh. which then, which then gets even worse. Because did you see what happened during this match? By the way, the uh, all I heard about was like the ref bump, the interference, and the dual figure fours or some shit. Okay, yes. So, so basically, um. <sighs> So, during this match, and this is, now I'm going to bring the psychology of it into this clusterfuck of an ending. So, bear with me for a second. You can tell, like, it's very fucking clear from the start of the match, just on the way he's counting the falls differently between Kenny and Andrade, that the ref is on the fuck. Yeah. Which, to me, you're, you're already fucking up. Because it should never be blatantly obvious until the actual fall to end the match. Right? Look at how long they drew out Nick Patrick. Like, that was months. Well, not even that, but like, for a for specifically for just a match, it shouldn't yeah. be glaringly obvious. Like, you right. can have interactions during the match, but the interactions shouldn't be blatantly obvious until the obvious count at the end. Or the obvious call for the bell to a non-submission or whatever you're going to do. Whatever your finish is going to be. <clears throat> so there's that. Then on top of that, Ref takes a bump. He's out for, for, a mo- for a minute. So Conan tosses the title belt into Kenny because Andrade is down at this point. Kenny's all ready. He's wound up. He's ready to go with the belt. Flair clearly is slow on the cue, so Kenny has to triple clutch like he's going to go at Andrade with the title belt before finally Rick is witty enough to grab the belt out from Omega from behind him. Yeah. And then it was chops and punches. It was, you know, Kenny in the middle between the two of them. And then Kenny goes down. Conan comes in, takes not exactly the best Ric Flair punch in the world to go down. And Conan did a shitty-ass back bump, but whatever. And then... A man fresh out of heart surgery two years ago with predisposed health conditions during an international health crisis on international turf at an event that purposely has crowd restrictions and mask mandates because of this Delta variant is putting on the figure four in the middle of the fucking ring which can only drive up the heart, the blood pressure and fuck up his heart again. And Andrade is doing the figure four next to him on Kenny Omega. This is fucking why WWE let him go. Because I can guarantee you, Rick was like, I can do this, I can do that, I can bump, I can do... And they were like, fuck off, you had heart surgery. Like, I can almost guarantee you that's a big part of the reason 
why they let Rick go, because Rick probably wanted to do more because he feels like he could still do it, but he fucking can't because he's an old oh, man with a new heart. Oh! And then... Oh, okay. And then... All right, so everything kind of normalizes. The ref finally comes to, and Conan's now out on the apron, distracting the crooked ref. The belt's still in the ring. Kenny hits Andrade, drops the belt on the canvas, hits one-wing angel on the belt, doesn't toss out the belt before the pinfall. Ref... Blatantly has a fast count three. And then with the ref staring right at him, Kenny tosses the fucking belt out. Like there's crooked and then there's just fucking dumb. And honestly, like I want to say that, well, it's Mexico. They're not exactly like WWE. Fuck that. It's triple A. This isn't a this isn't a fucking dirt poor indie fed in the middle of Guadalajara. This is triple fucking A. Like this is essentially the WWE of Mexico, for lack of a better phrase, all right? This shit shouldn't be happening. It should not be happening. And to me. It only further proves the point as to why Kenny should not have the belt. Now, I'm not saying Andrade is the best answer, although it sounds like Andrade is going to look for a rematch. Whatever. That's their creative. Let them run with it. But to me, it's about the finer points of execution when it comes to telling a story. And if you can't execute the finer points... The whole story comes fucked. Mm-hmm. And that match completely and perfectly exemplified the lack of execution that is possessed by Kenny Omega. <laughs> and here's the worst part. Fuckboy Meltzer comes out on his podcast on like Monday or Tuesday, and Bakley said to some, to, he didn't say these words directly on top of each other, but it's the summation of what he was saying. He basically said Kenny was trying to have a great match. Andrade was just having to have a good look and have a good match. Fuck off. Rewatch that match. Andrade is on his shit. Kenny's the sloppy one in that match. The only sloppy thing Andrade did, he was a little snug with that step in back elbow, spinning back elbow move he does. Aside from that, motherfucker was on point. He was in top condition and he looked like a million bucks doing it. Now again, I'm not the biggest Andrade fan. I know you're not either, but as far as Bill the Bell, Andrade was way more on point than Kenny was that night. And to me, I mean, I'm at a point where Meltzer's clearly in bed with With Kenny, Nick, and Matt. 
And I'm sick and tired of people trying to make excuses for Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm done with it. Especially yeah. after what I saw last Saturday night. I'm done with it. I'm fucking done. Like, we both sat here, and I know we're both not Kenny Omega fans. Like, I at least respected an, an amount of the work he did in New Japan. But other than that, like, I can see through the bullshit with him, generally speaking. But what I saw against Andrade completely put him in fuck you territory for me. Because he took what should have been a great match and made it an average at best secondary main event. But, yeah. So, that's my right. I don't know if you have anything else to add because of what you know from the event. I'm pretty sure there was just an amount of fuckery there where Kenny did a bunch of politicking the day he got there. I'm pretty sure that like I like I said, I was pretty sure Kenny wasn't dropping that belt already. But I'm almost positive that Kenny purposely did the job to Christian for the impact title on Friday so that he could go to Mexico and go, I just did the job on national TV. I can't do the job two nights in a row. Sorry. Come up with something else. Because he could give a fuck about, by the way, you're still on mute. (laughs) Because basically he gives a fuck about the impact title because no one fucking cares about it. But he he elevated it to a national stage. And he's just like, well, look, you know, I I, I can't do the job two nights in a row. Like I just I just did you know, I just dropped this belt and you know in front of you know seven hundred thousand people on national TV. So um sorry, I I, I I don't know what your plan was, but I can't drop your belt tonight no matter what. And I want to add to the Ric Flair thing real quick. This was Ric Flair. Well, yeah. Of course he wants a payday. <laughs> here's here's the other end of it. I completely forgot about until I looked at my notes again. You know who else was there? Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Girl. Why? Because she's getting too much influence from her daddy and her fiance. Oh, no, no. I'm not talking about her being there. You're fine with being there. Shit. Adam Cole's going to AEW shows. Like, I get supporting yeah, your loved one. But you're crossing, you're, you're crossing national boundaries into an area that's still pretty COVID heavy. When there's already been COVID scares in your locker room. Like, not smart. Right, but I'm not. I'm also, to- but I'm more focused on the father and Rick's health part of it. Oh yeah, like I get what you're saying with Charlotte, but like, like that doesn't come to mind at all. Like you don't think that's a little weird? Oh, um, money. And then apparently the reports. Now I'm I'm not sure if this has ever been confirmed, but the report I saw on Monday. Was she was asked? She had asked WWE about being on the broadcast in Andrade's corner. Yeah, well, they would have Which, never said yes to that a million years. Right. Like, I, there's no point to it. Like, right. Like to me, it should have been 
if you're going to pull that trigger, it should have been Charlotte or no one. Yeah. Like, to me, it should have been Charlotte or no one, and Conan fucks him. Like, yeah. that makes sense. There's no need for yeah. Rick. There's right. there's no need. And if you're going to have Rick, then you have the the no one in his corner angle with Conan fucking him, and then you have Rick come for the rematch. That makes more sense than just fucking yeah. shooting your load right away. Uh-huh. Fucking whatever. <laughs> just fucking whatever. <laughs> Alright. So now let me get into the other stuff that happened over the weekend, which was over in Los Angeles with New Japan. Uh, New Japan had their NJPW Strong shows in LA. I believe they did a show Friday and Saturday night, if I remember correctly. Um, mm -hmm. Which included uh, Leo Rush, but we're not here to talk about Leo Rush for a change. This isn't about Leo Rush. It never has been about Leo Rush. It's never been about <laughs> It's never been about you, Lionel, so chill out. Um, so, um, first off, uh, the, the, the merry-go-round belt known as the U.S. heavyweight title now has Hiroshi Tanahashi as the new champion who beat Archer oh, in Tanahashi LA. Oh, Tanahashi did go over for it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which people are saying is now going to set up for Moxie to get a re, uh, his contractual rematch and do it against nope. Tanahashi instead of Archer, which... No. Until COVID ramps down again, no. Like, it's not happening. He's taking Tanahashi the belt back, taking belt back to Japan. Right. Here's the... Here's the interesting part. So, obviously, we know the... Now, I haven't watched enough New Japan lately to know how they're phrasing this. But if you recall, a number of weeks ago, Will Ospreay, if I remember correctly, suffered an injury and had to essentially... He was supposed to be out for like six months to a year. Right. So he essentially stepped down as the New Japan heavyweight champion. Too bad he didn't take that awful ass belt with him. What's up? Too bad he didn't take that awful ass belt with them when they fucking redid the belt. So it looks like the Divas title fucked Cody's tattoo. Anyways, so... Tell me I'm wrong. Takagi... So Shingo Takagi has since become the new heavyweight champion. And for all reports, he's having great matches because he's fucking Shingo Takagi. Like, yeah. who's fucking shocked by that? Yeah. No, no hands raised? Okay, good. Um, so now... Will shows up in L.A. Did you see this, by the way? I heard about it. I didn't see it. I can't. All right, so he, he essentially cut this promo. He essentially cut this promo, really playing up being a heel because I guess he's a heel now. Yeah, I don't. I don't well, because he's but a anyways. heel in real life, so why not? <clears throat> so he's playing that up, and essentially said. Takagi should be getting called the interim champion, which now we're playing semantics, but I get what he's saying. He then pulls out the uh, the Cody fucks Divas title thing. Uh -huh. So he pulls out that belt and says, I'm the champ and I'm going to stay here in America 
and worked for NJPW Strong. So now, now you're setting up, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it's essentially what they're doing. They're setting up New Japan Original, I guess, and New Japan Strong, in a way. Which, and the only reason it's even halfway intriguing is because New Japan also announced over the last few days that G1 Climax will happen this year. G1 Climax 31 will happen from September 18th to October 21st. Mm-hmm. Now, the question becomes, does Will stay in the U.S. like he said he's going to in that promo, or do they put him in G1 and essentially set up Shingo and Will at the end of the G1? Or set up Will versus Wrestler X, have Will win G1, and then Will get that match with Takagi. Mm, I feel like what they'll do is they'll have the fucking G1 go as planned, and and what will happen is they'll drag this out. And so Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 will be a title unification between Shingo and Will, and then whoever won the G1 Climax will get the title shot Night 2. Just like they did with the fucking shit a couple of years ago when they unified the two fucking, with the the world and the Intercontinental. Right. Which, it would be nice. I'm not going to watch any of it, because as long as New Japan employs Will Ospreay, I refuse to watch it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Don't put a rape apologist in your main event and expect people to still watch it. Fuck you. The other intriguing part of this, not the Osprey stuff, but another intriguing thing, too, is it looks like New Japan is trying to set up, but I don't know how they pull this off because I can't think of anyone that would fit into the one side of this. It looks like they're also trying to set up new Bullet Club versus old Bullet Club. Because Anderson and Gallows wrestled at the LA show, and then after their match, they were essentially challenged by G.O.D. I don't know if they were challenged so much as Tom said, you're a fucking piece of shit, and I wanted to say it to your face. Well, can't say I blame him on that one, but... It, it makes the mind wander a little bit, though, to one to think if uh, to think if if they're going to pull the trigger on anything like that. So I don't know if they will. I think the whole new Bullet Club, old Bullet Club, elite fucking shit that that shit has so run its fucking course long ago. To try to do something now, like nobody fucking cares. Nobody wants to see NWA Hollywood, NWO Hollywood versus NWO Wolfpack. Nobody fucking cares. Like I would agree I'm with sorry. you, but it stopped being Bullet Club when fucking Devitt left. I don't care who the fuck else is in it after that. When Devitt left Bullet Club, Bullet Club should have gone away. Could have called it anything else. Shouldn't have continued on with fucking AJ and fucking Kenny Fingerfuck and fucking goddamn fucking Balding Bucks and fucking all that shit. No. Should have gone away when Devin went away. I... Hmm. I like the contention better if you said post-styles. 
No, because fuck Styles. Styles should have never been in it either. Okay. Well, we'll I said what I said. Fuck AJ Styles. I, I, okay. All right. All right. Fuck off. Jesus. Keep going. Um, okay. Um, anyways. I don't have a banner for this, but there's just other shit that I want to touch on quick. Um, where, oh, where's what I'm banner. looking for? Huh? I'll put the banner. Give me money. <laughs> for those who are not watching on YouTube, he just held a piece of paper that said, give me money, which is the same thing he held up when I mentioned why Rick was there. And he was like, one reason they put up, give me money. Anyways. Um, well, yeah, real- because it, it, it came from a few weeks ago. When I decided to be Nick Gage. <laughs> oh, right. That's true. Um, uh, this seems to be a weekly occurrence, so why not do it a third week in a row? Fuck Enzo Amore. Um, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a guy who just loves the smell of his own shit in the morning. Like, it just doesn't smell putrid at all. This motherfucker, like, give it up, all right? We get it. WWE lets you go. Like, give it up. They don't care about you. They're not calling you. AEW doesn't want to deal with you because you're fucking... He's a heat heat rocket. Heat-seeking missile, all right? Ring of Honor wants something to do with you because the stunt you fucking pulled in MSG. Like, fuck off. Ring of Honor wants something to do with them because they want people who have who are quality workers. That too. <laughs> you know, so I mentioned last episode about him being booked for uh, Northeast Wrestling. You know what fucking song he came out to this weekend? What? When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Yeah. You don't call yourself Enzo Amore anymore. No. Amore isn't even part of your fucking name anymore. That's how people know him. When guys work for shitbags like Northeast Wrestling, they always try to incorporate parts of their WWE gimmick as much as possible so that people remember who they are. Right. Understood. But it's not always necessary. Like he still jerks off so much on social media where people know who he is and that he's from WWE. Like, there's no need for that. Like, don't be a bitter asshole. That's all him. It's all about him being bitter. That's what it is. That's all it is. Oh, yeah, it has nothing to do with trying to create. It's not about trying to create a crowd engagement. It's about him just being a bitter prick. That's all it is. Well, yeah. I mean, everything aside, I agree he's a bitter prick. I- Agree, he goes over the line, yada yada yada. But this is a guy who lost his job for being falsely accused and then cleared. His it was his own fault that he didn't say anything. I will make that perfectly clear. It was his own fault for trying not to just to just sweep it under the rug until it went away. However, he was accused, he was found innocent, and whatever. So does he have does he have a right to be a tiny bit bitter? Tiny bit, sure. This much? No. 
And besides, let me throw this out there too. Do we really think he was going to get any kind of decent program once they went they went through the the wash rinse repeat cycle with him and Big Kaz? What fucking other program were they really going to have for him? There was going to be that. They had the cruiserweight title thing briefly with him and Pac, or fucking uh, the fuck yeah. was Pac called then? Um, Adrian Neville. Thank you, but like, aside from that, like, he had, he had worn out his welcome already as it is as a as a as a complete asshole. I don't know him and him and Cass together as baby faces were pretty good at popping the crowd. I think they split them up way too prematurely. I think they could have gotten at least another year and a half out of them. Well, I agree. The split was but, too early, but but the split happened, so it was what it was. There was no going back at that point, right? But but no, Kaz had to go get hurt and fuck that whole thing up. And Kaz also did not shut the fuck up in the locker room about how he wanted to suck Donald Trump's dick. That was his downfall. Okay, um, that was that was that was that was intense. what else? What else? What else? Oh. I think I deleted this banner on accident. Retirements are still not sacred. But I understand this one. So there's a catch this time. I understand this one. Because it's something I think the people actually want to see. Ejira's coming out of retirement for a match. Who now? I'll give you a hint. It's somebody you booked in one of your last shows. I'll give you a hint. Just incredible. He, dude, he's been out of retirement. Not Justin himself. Keep thinking. Oh, what he's he's doing out of the Montoya somewhere? No, no. Oh, the guy who oh, faced him, Tremont. Yes, yes. We're finally getting Tremont versus Onita. Yes. And hey, I come up. They, they wanted to do this match for years, so. We're finally getting it. Um, I really let me want tell to you something. L- l- let me tell you something. I I may not be the biggest deathmatch fan. Um, but based on how you, based on your claim for them, specifically Tremont. This would be the one time I think I'd go out of my way to want to see something like that. Yeah. Because I've heard nothing but positive things about Onita, first of all. Oh, yeah. And then second of all, it's Matt fucking Tremont. Like, come on. Yeah. And then I didn't know he had this side to him. You need to go on Twitter and try to hunt down the promo video he put out. Okay, I will. So good. Like... It's it's about two and a half minutes long, I think, but it's good. It's good. He basically basically he spends most of the time being angry at Onita because he was supposed to because apparently he was supposed to retire and keep his promise and blah blah blah. And now you want to challenge me? Now you want to call me out? It's yeah. it's good. It's good. You'll appreciate it. It's good. I'm glad they're um, doing it. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear the details about that. Um, yeah. So while we're tired, tar- tickets go on sale this weekend. Yeah. 
So while retirements are still not sacred and never will be in professional wrestling, this is one where I'll say, you have my blessing. Good for you. There's, there um, was a perfectly good reason for that, too. It's because they never got to have their one-on-one originally because Onita wasn't feeling up to it, so they turned that into a six-man. And then they were supposed to have actual Onita versus Tremont in Japan, and then COVID happened. And right. in the interim was when Tremont, re- Tremont retired because right. he was just like, I just can't keep doing this shit. But and he wanted to run his school. Right, exactly. Because he, he runs a great fucking school. He fucking turns out some fucking great kids, and they fucking love him like a dad. And it's the, the show's going to be there at his bill. Like he's got he's got a school and a building where he can run shows. Like that's as an indie promoter, that's the dream. And he pretty much packs that place every time he has a show. So I'm actually considering going to Jersey because I really want to fucking be there for that. <laughs> We will get back to white heat here in a moment. We want to give love to our sponsors. Tech East Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal. TEFireWater.com. That's their website. Shout out to their guy, Mike Corda, the boss, who helped lead the Albany Empire to a championship. This is the guy who bought the Empire, who brought him back to the Capital Region. So if you're an Albany Empire fan, the least you can do is go to Central Left and support Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. Just kidding. But seriously, if you've got fire or water or mold damage in your home, Tech East Fire and Water Restoration is the place for you to come help and fix that problem. How do you help yourself? Check out their Facebook page, TE Fire and Water. Follow them on Twitter at TE East 518. And visit them on Central Left. If you've got issues, continue to call Tech East Fire and Water Restoration your best way back to normal. And don't forget, Tech East Fire and Water Restoration has been the proud sponsor of the summer of all Godzilla Media podcasts. GodzillaMedia.com. Check out all the different variety of podcasts you can listen to. And don't forget, you hear my guy Brian Katie on this one right here. He's going to be part of the Godzilla Media Fantasy Football Draft coming up Friday, live from Hooters on Wolf Road. Get there early. Say what's up. Show you some of your favorite people from Godzilla Media. Levac and I will be broadcasting live 5 to 7, our drafts at 7.30. So if you want to talk some smack to us, you want to tell us our picks stink or they're great, join us. It'll be a lot of fun at Hooters. Again, broadcasting live on the Godzilla Media YouTube page and the Tech East Fire and Water Restoration Facebook page Friday, August 27th, 5 to 7 from Hooters. And Mohawk Hot, a selection is king this summer. No matter where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's in Glens Falls, Watertown, Syracuse, Geneva, Make the road trip to Glenville, New York to stop at a Mohawk Honda. How many times this summer have you been sitting in your ride and thinking, it's time for an upgrade, but you just can't find the vehicle that you want? Mohawk Honda, known for the selection. Selection is king. So many things have changed the last year and a half, but Mohawk Honda is going to have exactly what you want. And more importantly, you're going to trade in your vehicle and get the price that you deserve back. Trust me, I know about Mohawk Honda. I've been working with the whole crew over there. Shout out to Greg Johnson and Cam McKenna. Say what's up to my guy Andy Gelcher. I just saw the other day. The whole Mohawk family, if you don't know about it, the Herodin family has been a part of the Capital Region for so many years, decades. And they truly treat you like family. Does a family feel there? They always go out of their way to please you. I've been driving my pilot around the Capital Region. If you know from hitting the roads in Syracuse, I was not known for having a nice vehicle. The pilot's the best ride I've ever had. Have that same type of bragging right for yourself. Make the change today. Have the road trip to the Capital Region. Syracuse fans, especially if you're listening, it's worth the drive east. Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Now, again, Syracuse fan, if you're listening, 
There's a very popular barbecue place you might know about in downtown Syracuse that is about a block away from Johnstone Supply here on 6th Avenue in Troy. And if you're looking to make that change for your home, whether it's heating, ventilation, or more, Johnstone Supply is the place for you. My guy George has been running the place for a family-owned business for decades. Now you can work with people that you can trust when you're making that move. By the way, right now in store, Fujitsu Duckless splits energy-saving ultra-low temperature models and can operate up to negative 15 degrees Fahrenheit. They're also carrying the new J-Series. We're talking the VRF systems for even more flexibility for your home and efficiency. So make that change today. And the Westinghouse made by Fujitsu also available for you for that more basic cost-efficient option for your home. If you're looking to make that change, the upgrade we're talking about, making sure your home is best up to what it needs to be, the place to make that change is Johnstone Supply in Troy. Check out their website today, johnstonesupply.com, or give them a call. If you're road tripping in the Capital Region, the number is 518-272-5922. Road trip, grab some wonderful things to eat, and then stop into Johnstone Supply and Troy. Support our sponsors here on Constant the Media. Getting there with God. Syracuse fans, Glens Falls fans, and more. One more time for the number for Johnstone Supply in Troy on 6th Ave. 518-272-5922. Now, back to this episode of White Heat. We'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> we, we might have to figure something out there. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, so... I need to tell a story. Okay. All about how my life got twist turned upside down for this month. Yes, I just called the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Suck a dick if you don't like it. So, I believe I mentioned on this show once or twice about how there's a new International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame that's been established. Um, because what happened was the original one was based in Amsterdam, New York, where I am, where I live. Um, got relocated to Texas um, because they were putting together an actual museum and all kinds of shit was going on down there. And so Tony Villano, who's a big wig within the Athletic Commission and a huge, uh, a huge part of the wrestling of pro wrestling being in the area, a huge proponent. That's what I was going for. Um, he partnered with a few other people to help establish the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, which the actual building will be down in Greene County in the downstate area, but the events are going to be held up here in the capital region year to year. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be their inaugural induction class scheduled for next weekend. Um, but, but, Here's the thing. I was originally booked to be part of the commentary team for the wrestling show they're going to have that weekend, which is next Friday night at the Waterfleet Sports Complex in Waterfleet, New York, which is just outside of Albany. Whatever. If you want tickets for that or anything else going on next weekend, just look for International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and that's about as much selling as I'm going to do for them. So... The show is being put together by a certain promoter who is well known for the great work he does with booking legends and doing conventions and signings and stuff like that. But he's never yeah, really been known. That. He's never really been known for putting together an actual wrestling show. An actual in-ring presentation. 
In ring, no. Yes, you are correct on that. Okay. So when I heard he was like the leader of putting this together, I I had a failed experience with him before involving a local indie company just to do a show for that indie company, which has since gone out of business. Fuck you in your face wrestling. And uh, uh, yeah, Scott Scarsdale can suck my dick. Anyways, um, so like, but that experiment that like that booking was that had a lot to do with the owner, Scott, and not so much with the Scott we're talking about in this story, Scott Wilder right. and uh, right. Steve Duckett, who was also partnering in that venture. So I never held that against them. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll give them another chance to see what happens. And it was it was looking great because at first it looked very legend heavy, but then they were starting to book more modern talents. Like they were bringing in Rachel Ellering, they were bringing in uh, I can't remember the other like uh, Shane Taylor was being booked for it. They were bringing in Mike Verna. Like they were yeah. they were slowly incorporating modern talents into the card and whatever. And I was going to be excited because I was going to have the opportunity to share a commentary table with Rich Palladino. And if you don't, don't know Rich Palladino, you can all suck a dick because he's, in my opinion, the best ring announcer on the East Coast for indie wrestling and should be should have been considered like like he's doing he's doing great stuff in New England with Chaotic and Beyond and his other bookings he picks up. But he really should be on like a, a major scale company at this point like it's yeah it's a it's a sin that he hasn't gotten a major job by now um but i was gonna be able to share the commentary table with him and rip off hulk hogan randy hogan but but still it's gonna be me and rich and i'm like like i'm geeked God. up i've never worked yeah you, i didn't tell you about the randy hogan thing yeah that was supposed to be no. randy, hogan, randy hogan was gonna be the third chair but that's whatever um I was able to look. I was able to look past that though because it's it's Rich fucking Paladino. Like I never worked with Rich before. I never, I've never even been to a show where Rich worked before. So I was I was I was amped up about it. Um, and then all of a sudden, two weeks ago, while they're just posts randomly, wrestling show on Friday night the twenty seventh canceled for health concerns. He stated. Uh, come to find out, um, that the health concerns are, uh, from what I've been understanding, are a big facade and a bunch of bullshit. And so all the book talent got fucked essentially. And, and, but in a scramble, I'll give Seth Turner credit. Seth Turner's the, uh, president of the Hall of Fame. I'll give him credit because he picked up the ball, the, the huge-ass ball that was dropped by Scott and has since rebooked the show, kept the building, kept the date, kept the time, but has partnered up with New York Championship Wrestling. Which, by the way, this is where I'm going to slightly correct myself from what I something I told you this week. Uh, has... A no, guy he's local, not, he's not the champion. He's challenging for it. I know. Correct. A yeah. local guy. Oh, they're they're both local. They're both guys from upstate New York, though. Um, a local guy is the champ, and another local guy is challenging for the title. 
Um, the guy challenging for it, though, um, okay. is a trashy known womanizer that I have zero respect for and want nothing to do with. Um, I'll, fucking most of the locker rooms in the Northeast won't fucking book anymore. Right. Um, now, the reason I sound bitter about this is because of this ball being picked up and now NYCW is booking, is helping put the show together. All outside of ring talent lost their booking completely. No chance of getting back in the door for that show. Ridiculous. So I'm out. Rich is out. I'm sure Randy's still being brought in, but I don't, it's not going to be for commentary, I don't think. Um, Mike Falvo went from being a ring announcer to the... Uh, the fucking MC essentially for the show. So basically, what Matthew James was doing when uh, our boy um, GK was doing the ring. Yes, yep. GK Durant was ring announcing. Yep. It's essentially that kind of setup. Uh, just a cluster fucking a half. So let that show you that. It's not always good to try to be a jack of all trades when it comes to the business. Like, if you have a niche and you know you're fucking good at it, sometimes it's best to just stick to that niche and not try to not try yeah. to slip on another kind of another pair of shoes you can't quite fit into. Yeah. Um. I also know for a fact that Scott, the one who Dropped the show originally. Yeah. Basically denied any and all help from pretty much every booker of every indie company that existed around here. Yeah. He denied help from World of Hurt Wrestling with Shane Alden. Who, while I'm not a fan of, well, I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, He denied... uh, Chris Envy reached out to him from Dynasty. He said no. Mike Mike Buckalo from Immortal Championship Wrestling reached out. He said no to Mike. Like he 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 went to waters that were uncharted and too deep for him to dive into. Um, you should have gotten in contact with Drake Evans. Uh, <sighs> Of course, he probably would. If he's denying help from everyone, he probably would have told Drake, "No thanks, too." So I agree. Um, I, I I'm a mixed bag of feelings when it comes to Drake. Um, which you probably have heard the stories of why I'd have a mixed, not me specifically, but in general, I'm assuming you've heard stories or rumors. I've talked to Drake about how some of his students have spread some awful fucking rumors about him. Mm-hmm. Because I've known Drake for quite a long time, right? So, like, like I've never, and it's it's not my place to have those conversations with him. So, if you've had them, like, you're a promoter, that's I cool. Have because, yeah, yeah. So, like, if it's like, it's one of those things where if if you've discussed with him, and the air is cleared with you, then I, by all means, I'm never going to have a problem, um, because. When it comes to business, I trust you above anyone else at this point. Um, but yeah, so 
yeah, so that's that's the 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 fuckery that was happening, and so um, I won't be in the show. I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to be doing something at their at the convention the day of the Hall of Fame induction nice. Saturday. That I still don't know. Um, we'll see, because that doesn't involve <laughs> NYCW, so maybe there's still a chance they're doing something there. I don't know. Um, they rubbed me the wrong way when they first opened. Yeah, so we'll see what well, happens. On their, their first show, they were put the they were supposed to put their fucking title on Bobby Ocean. To the point where Bobby Ocean came to my house to get the DPW title to bring with him because he was going to be representing our company, so that way he can right. be a dual champion. Then the day of the show, they told him, "No, we're putting the fucking belt, belt on fucking Slick Wagner Brown instead." And then proceeded for the next year to play hot potato with that belt because every time I would go work a fucking test of strength show to help run the fucking locker room, a different fucking person in that locker room had the fucking New York fucking title. And now I'm pretty sure there's nobody from test of strength that has that belt because I remember correctly, the guy that holds it now has nothing to do with test of strength. Yeah, well, because I'm pretty sure test of strength and then burned a bridge, so... I'm not sure who did Shocker. it. Shocker. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder how that came about. Uh, could be no multiple reasons. Um. All right. So let's get into our weekly segment. Yes. AWTF. Yeah. Um, now, Greta, we're recording this Before a day, at least one day earlier than usual. Um. So we're not looking at the dynamite from August 18th. But. There are a few things we can talk about. Number one, uh, the debut of Rampage last week in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, which, by the way, complete aside real quick, um, I will never call it Britsburg. And it has nothing to do with Britt Baker. It's because oh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is Kurt fucking Angle's town, not Britt right. Baker's. Suck right. a dick. That's number one. <laughs> um, but any hooser, uh, they they kick off the show by having Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. And beat him flat. Um, beat him with, uh, what the, was it, the Unprettier, I think it is what he used to be called, correct? No, it's the Kill Switch Engage, brother. But wasn't it called the Unprettier at one point? Yeah, way back. But when he left and fucking went to every other company, he changed the name to Kill Switch Engage. Okay, which that's can't that's not copywritten at all. Like, that's not a band name at all. But anyways, um, I mean, he took on Prettier from TLC, so yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> that's where he took it from. But anyways, all right. So he hits the the kill switch, engage whatever on the chair. One, two, three. Um, he threw out the prop before the ref turned around. He did it right. Kenny couldn't do it right. Twenty four hours later, motherfucker. No. Anyways, um. So Christian wins the belt. Whatever. Like, I'm. Oh, it is what it is. I, th I think we both kind of called that, honestly. We both kind of saw that coming. But then over the weekend, apparently during tapings, actually, I think it was Monday they did tapings in Nashville. Yeah. Um, the TNA belt itself is no longer going to exist. Which. <laughs> It's about fucking time because that that belt was essentially a prop 
from the time they went from TNA to Impact. It was. It was literally okay. Number one, it was basically prop for Moose, really. Yeah, Moose brought it back February of last year, and it wasn't even the TNA title. He contacted a belt maker in Afghanistan and had a replica made. It's a, it was a fucking $200 replica belt this whole fucking time. It was known. Yep. And they still went along with this bullshit facade all the way up to fucking having a title unification match for it. And shit. Look, fuck you. Yeah. Ah! Like, it was just... It was just dumb. It was. It was really fucking dumb. That's all you really need to know about it. Like, yes. there was no, there was never a point to having that that belt around. So, good decision. It's just a year and a half too late. It's actually a decision that never should have even happened because it never should have been brought onto TV in the first place. The moment so, Moose showed up with that shit, they should have been like, "Dude, fuck off!" Right. Like we're not going to stupid ass story. Or they they should have just said, "Okay, you want to do that? We're going to fucking get rid of it in a month. Have your match with whoever was Impact Champ at the time." Right. They should have done this a lot sooner than they did. Right. Um, but they're fucking stupid. Right. Um, what else? So yeah. All right. So, so I made a mistake earlier with who Christian winning the belt. So he's just going to drop it to Ace Austin apparently. So he's going to beat Brian Myers at Resurgence, which I think is Friday. Which is already I believe it's this coming Friday the 20th. It was already taped. Okay. So I'm assuming that there's... And Ace Austin wins another Battle Royal to become number one contender. Okay. So spoilers are out. Spoiler alert! Uh, So Christian beats Christian beats Kurt Hawkins. I'm sorry. Brian Myers. And... uh, and Ace Austin apparently becomes number one contender. Ugh, Ace, I like Ace. Ace is a good kid, super respectful. Um, apparently, Ace is the new belt collector because like every indie that books him puts their fucking belt on him. Jesus. <laughs> can we? Can we? Can we can, all right, hang on. I'm gonna hang on. Hang on. This. This. Okay. Can we stop with the belt collecting shit? No, like, never. Can can and, the, and this is the like to me, it's not a problem with the talents. Like if a company wants to put the belt on you, I mean, sure, fuck it, why not? Indie bookers, indie promoters, do your fucking homework. Be more creative. Like, there's no reason ever. Where one guy should hold a belt, more than likely the heavyweight belt, for four or five different fucking promotions. I don't care how cool it might seem right now because of Kenny Omega being a douchebag. No, it, it's not a good look. Time, it's just dude. not a good look. The point is, you. The point of putting the belt on somebody is because you want them to be the exclusive star attraction of your show. Not to say they can't work other promotions, but as far as being the guy, they are your guy, not a shared guy with three other companies because he's the champion of three other companies. He's your fucking guy. That's why Bobby Ocean, for example, got put as a DPW champion because he was loyal to you and was going to fuck you. Okay, like he wanted to be your guy, 
And anytime something came up, like, for example, you just gave the story about fucking NYCW. What did he do before that match? Came, came to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he wasn't going to do anything to put you in a spot where you were going to look less than. That's the point of you making somebody the guy. That they're not going to go out and make you look less than by doing stupid shit outside the ring or by whatever. Like, it, it doesn't make fucking sense. It just doesn't make sense. So the reasoning is, and it's sort of like a double-edged sword. It's because if someone starts to get hot on the indies and then one company puts a title on them, then the other companies, depending on who the other companies are and who runs those companies, because a lot of indie companies today are run by fucking keyboard warriors, let's be completely fucking honest, who go and they see the match on YouTube and go, oh my God, this is on YouTube. The whole country can see it. I've got this guy booked. I put my title on this guy because I can't have him do the job because then 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 he'll never work for me again. And and if I put my title on him, it shows that I'm 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 part of that domino effect of all the people that 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 that'll think I'm amazing and then I'm a great booker and then I'll have fourteen thousand people on my show because uh because fifteen thousand people saw this YouTube video. So I'm getting on at least ninety percent of those people to show up at my show. But this is how it is, sadly. And then you get situations where, Titus, you get situations where this has happened over the years where people have become like, I mean, it happened with AR Fox a while back. Remember when fucking, uh, what do you call it? Um, we, um, uh, what do you call it? We had a, a show where AR worked fucking JT, but AR came out with the Combat Zone Wired Championship. And some title from somewhere in Atlanta, and that fake fucking Chilean title, which is still around, and I don't get it. But that's right. a story for another day. Titus, enough. <laughs> enough. But so it, it becomes like this. It becomes like this domino effect where like everyone thinks they have to fucking fall in line because like oh this person's super over, so we all have to put about. And then you get people like then you get that bullshit with juicy product where fucking. Fucking JT and fucking David Starr walked around with fucking nine tag team belts and took pictures with them everywhere because they're fucking marks for themselves. And then no company wanted to make them do the job because they've got all these tag title belts. What are we going to do? You know what you was do? This, you run your was this during the business. time where they were working with, uh, they working, I think it was FIP? Wasn't that one of the companies they were working with at the time? Um, Down in Florida? With FIP, but I think the dumbest part of them winning all those belts was one of them was the WSU fucking tag belts, a women's tag title that they just showed up on a women's show and won the belts for no reason, unadvertised. Because that was when Drew Cordero fucking bought, uh, fucking still owned WSU before he sold it to buy the goddamn fucking cheese truck. Oh my. Jeez. Oh yeah, stories for days. But yeah, like and so like and then there were pictures everywhere where they were like, "Oh, you're gonna put us on your flyer here. Here's the picture of us holding all these fucking belts." Like fuck you. Like Nobody let me. Cares. Nobody knows who you are, where you are going. Just because the and this, I swear, I had the, when I first got in the business back in fucking back in 04, I had this conversation with my mentor where I was like, "But you know, the internet's becoming bigger and bigger, and." 
more people are going to see things. And so eventually more and more people are going to be internet savvy and more and more people are going to be able to have access to being able to watch things by these people and being able to follow them more accurately. And so you're going to have to start catering to the internet audience. You know something, it's 17 years later, still ain't the fucking case. Why? Because people are stupid. Because not every person is going to sit here all day going, oh my God, this person is on this show. I have to go find it. I have to find their YouTube match. Well, I have to check all their social media right now. Yada, yada. And like, no, that's not how it is. That's not how it is. That's like how five fans at each show are. Right. And, and five. to be completely fair on the other side of that coin, it's also the fault of the workers because God knows how many people Bob Evans, myself, fucking John Trotsky, fucking Danny Cage, all of us sit there and go, promote yourself. People find you on social media, keep your YouTube page updated. Keep your Facebook page updated. Keep your Instagram updated. Every show you're on, put that flyer up and share it at least once a week. Do they? No. Nope. Depends on the worker. It's their own fucking fault. People don't know who they are. Yeah. And it's interesting because you actually were kind of touching on a point that I want to bring up. From a promoter perspective, mm-hmm. just because you're a champion for I'm gonna throw out a random 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 shit here. Just because you're a champion for a promotion in Buffalo, you think the people that you're that you're working in front of or working for at a show in Boston are going to give two fucks. Unless you're purposely being promoted as like an interpromotional match, you think anybody's going to give two fucks that fucking uh, Joe the Bruiser is the heavyweight champion of a Buffalo of a... Uh, Alright, I'll actually give a legit example. Do you really think anybody's going to give a shit about uh, Jason Axe being the 2CW heavyweight champion if he was to go and work a show for beyond, no, nobody's gonna give two fucks. Right. Why? Because it's nothing to do with fucking beyond. Like, and that's not shitting on Jason X, by the way. If anybody from Two CW or or anybody that's friends with Jason X sees this, that's not me shitting on Jason personally. It's just the random name I thought of because I know he's booked for Two CW coming up at uh the end of end of September, early October. So, yeah. just putting that out there, that disclaimer. But like. Yeah. The whole point is like talent are going to shows across different promotions to put themselves out there, not necessarily to just collect belts. So really, it's on the promoters because they're just being marks for themselves at that point. Like it's just it, the whole goddamn thing is pointless and whatever. It's never going to stop, so I'll just let it go. Um. <laughs> All right, back to this for a sec. Go back to <laughs> AWTF. Can we just fire Brandon Cutler? <laughs> like, I know it's not going to happen because he's the menage a trois partner for Matt and Nick in bed, but he doesn't do anything. Like, he doesn't do anything. But I mean, like, like, When's literally. The last time Solo Camarado did anything. But, but, 
He's on TV every week and still does nothing, basically. He carries a camera. He, he carries a camera and then puts and then does freeze spray on the backs of Matt and Nick and Kenny after their matches. Like it's like it's like I'm gonna get this straight because going into the debut of AEW, Matt and Nick, one of the stories they were pushing through their YouTube. If you I know you probably didn't watch it, so I'll go over it for you. One of the stories they liked telling was Brandon putting in the work, stepping away because he wanted to get his family going. Then he has been trying to get back in the business and rebuild his brand and had never had a contract anywhere or whatever. Um, was brilliant making ends meet, so they wanted to help a guy out. So they were building it like they were going to make him a feature in AEW. And instead... You spent two years portraying him as a young boy. Exactly. Yeah. You're treating him like one of the, the young boys from New Japan. So 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 you're telling me the young bucks promise someone stardom and then treat them like shit? Well, I don't know if they actually promise them stardom, but the way they put together the YouTube features involving Brandon Cutler led I would say we're leading at least some people to think this could be you know, one like of their... somebody believe that someone was going to get higher than where they are. Maybe Brandon Cutler and Adam Page should start a YouTube channel together. I see where you're going. Anyways, um... not to mention, I found out Brandon Page fucked himself. Like Brandon Page, Adam Page. I was about to say, you just merged the two talents together. Good job. Yeah. So how did Adam fuck himself? Please do tell. You know the reason he's not fucking fucking fighting for the title at all out? Considering the way you just phrased the previous statement beforehand, I'm going to take a guess here. Something involving COVID. Paternity leave. Oh, I did hear about that. Yes. His wife's having a kid. I did hear about that. The guy that. who works one day a week needs three months off for paternity leave. It's not like you don't fly to fucking wherever and then fly back. One fucking day a week. Maybe two if you were on Rampage. Maybe two. Say this goes along with that fucking bullshit, and God forbid, fucking I used to love the fucking revival, even when they fucking went and fucking turned tail and fucking went to AEW. I still love the fucking revival, and then fucking Dax Harwood had to go and post that bullshit about missing his daughter's recital because he's on the road. Motherfucker, you're not on the road. You have an indie schedule at best, one day a fucking week. Sometimes you're not even on TV. You're not even there. So you're talking two days a fucking month. Suck a fucking dick. You want to know why you're not getting pushed? Because you're not fucking pushing yourself. I mean, great. No. Okay. Sorry. The revival were a fucking token signing by the bucks. Just so the bucks could fucking, could, could fucking treat them like shit. We all know that Adam page. Sorry. No, you, there's a chance you were finally getting pushed into this fucking main event that there was this supposed two-year build to. 
and you fucked it up. Sorry. No sympathy. Okay. Um, I have one other thing to bring up, and then we'll move on to WWE stuff. <laughs> this is something I got into a legit argument about with a group of people while Dynamite was on the air last week. Oh, boy. Why are we booking Sting... When he can barely walk down a fucking ramp. Because reasons. Like, at this because point, he... I'd be okay if he took the Arn or Tully route, put on the face paint, but wore street clothes and came down. If you really wanted to, to be in the mentor angle. We don't need him wrestling. Fuck off. He's going to get paid regardless of being in the ring or not. Don't flash the give me money sign. Suck a dick, JJ. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid either way. It doesn't matter if he's going to be in the ring as a talent or standing outside the ring as a fucking manager. He's going to still get paid. Tony Khan is running a... Hold on. Tony Khan is running a charity. He don't give a fuck. He's a Mark wrestling fan who happens to be kind of sort of running a wrestling company. He's not going to fire Sting because he can't wrestle. He's going to, if anything, he'll double his pay because he's bringing in such great stuff for Darby being his mentor. Sting is still going to get fucking paid. All right? We don't need him in his gear. We don't need him getting in the ring. We don't need him doing anything physical unless maybe it's to break up a run-in by another manager. We don't fucking need it. Stop booking him as a wrestler. Let him fucking die as a talent and be a goddamn manager. Let him take the Tully route. Let him take the Arn route. Let him take the Jake Roberts route. He doesn't need to fucking wrestle. Let it die, Steve. Steve, let it die. You can't do it anymore. You haven't been the same since you got fucking hurt. Him and Flair still think they can fucking go. They did. They, they think that. Oh well, you know, you know, I've got something left in me. No, just it, it's 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 old warhorse syndrome, dude. It's sometimes you don't. It's know it's, it's horrible. Like, granted, I'm not a fan of Rock and Roll Express getting in the ring. At least Ricky can still kind of do something. Ricky Steve, and Robert can still go, dude. Like Ricky and Robert stop. are, they, they can still go. Sting can barely walk, let alone wrestle at this point. Rick just had a heart replacement two years ago. And honestly, even before the heart replacement, he hadn't been himself since fucking TNA part one. Let it the fuck go. Except the fact that you're old. Except, thank you. Except the fact you're old and can't do what you used to do. Being around the business is enough. Going to wrestle cons and doing autographs for four hours is enough. You're still going to get paid for that stuff. You can still market yourself in your local community as a fucking local hero if you want to. There's ways to make revenue. Fuck it. NFT stuff at this point. Do other <laughs> shit. Don't rely on getting in a fucking pair of boots and tights and getting in the 20 by 20 or 16 by 16 or whatever the fuck the size of the ring is you're going to. Stop it. 
Stop it. Stop it. All you're doing is ruining your legacy and your reputation and potentially your fucking long-term health. Fucking yep. stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. And this isn't just a thing for Sting and Flair. Like, it's not a thing just for them. I, fuck it. I'll put that on Goldberg, too. Bill, you haven't been able to do shit right for years. You almost paralyzed The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. You made it. You made chicken shit look like bird shit against Brock last time you wrestled him. Stop. Just fucking stop. I don't care if you have a 15-year-old son. I don't care if you bring half this football team to sit front row at Raw. Fucking stop. You're in your 50s. Nobody wants to watch a 50-plus-year-old get in the ring against a 40-plus-year-old and Bobby Lashley. Nobody wants to fucking see it. Nobody. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit how much. Well, Saudi Arabia is still 20 years behind us in pro wrestling, apparently. They think Bill Goldberg is still 1997 Goldberg. Fuck off. Stop. Let it go. Let it go. Speaking of like, I'll, even, I'll even put this out there because I came to terms with this over the past week. I know you've been on it too, so I'm going to join the bandwagon. Bobby Fish, let it go. You can't spend more than six months without getting hurt. Bobby, I love you. This is from me. This is from your boy Brian, all right? Th okay, man to man, 518 to 518, fucking stop. <laughs> spend time with your girlfriend. Spend time with your daughters. Stop it, Okay. We love you. Fucking stop it. Damian Priest, take your receding hairline and go back to Manhattan. All right? Yes. Fucking stop it. Who else yeah, am I missing? Who else am I missing here? I feel like there's more people I could be mentioning here. You know, you know, Yes, I know it's a mailman. Unreal. Unreal. I just, I, I can't. I just, I can't. I'm, I'm at a point where if I, I'm almost at a point where if I, if I turn on my TV and see anybody over the age of 40 coming down the ramp, I'm just going to say fuck off. Come here. Yeah, be a good puppy. Be a good puppy. Oh, just I, I can't. Man. Am I missing anyone? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um oh, oh let me let me let me look through. Oh okay, all right. I'll give another one. I will give another one, okay? Now this may come out of sacrilege, but I don't care. Ray Ray, let it go. Yeah. Ray, it, it's not Ray. It's not Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety six. It. I give you one more. Fucking Samoa Joe. Jeff Hardy. Jeff. 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 Go away. Jesus. Fucking half the AEW roster go away. Yep. Like, Matt.
Matt Hardy. Don't need him. Uh, Christian. There's not much you can do with Christian at this point unless you just want to pawn him off on the impact, which you can do at this point right now if you really wanted to. Um, like I, I'm just I'm in a lost space right now. Who else? Who else is in that in that age range? I don't know. I'm just. I don't know. I'm. No, I know. <laughs> I'm like it's it, it's it's really weird actually because while yes WWE has those couple of old guys that they go back to, like they had Undertaker syndrome for a decade until he finally said I'm done. Goldberg, Brock, but generally speaking, like. Generally speaking, if you take away those on again, off again guys, and you focus in on the old guys they actually have full time, I don't know how, but they they actually have old guy, older guys that can still go. Yeah, like you still have AJ, you still have Drew, you still have Orton. Um, Trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, Cena, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens at SummerSlam. Um, 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 Nakamura isn't exactly young anymore, but he still has it. Um, Edge can still go. Rude, Ziggler. I mean, KO has got to be getting close to like his late 30s at this point. Like, their old guys can actually go. Yeah. AEW is asking old guys that should be in a wheelchair in a retirement home to go. It's like, no. Well, I mean, they kind of got to because the young guys don't know how to handle a live mic. Mm. I'm going to give you one more. I'm going to catch a lot of heat for saying this right now. I'm going to... There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say one more person, and it might catch me a lot of shit. Okay? Chris Jericho. Well, yeah. It's a given. Let it go. Go make music. Go raise your kids. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know the rest of the words. So I'm going to just stop. Me neither. <laughs> like, I almost wish this is going to sound awful, but it's honest. I almost wish they would just say, fuck it, and make Jericho MJF a career match at All Out. Right. And have MJF go over. It's not even happening at All Out, dude. It's happening at Dynamite tonight. But if I recall, if Chris goes over, that puts him at 2 2. Uh. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no suffering point. right now. 
I'm suffering. All right, let's get to WWE talk. Um, I'm trying to think if there's been any... Matt Caster trying to sell his shit on eBay because he knows he's losing his job? No, no, (laughs) because... Max Caster is a wannabe rapper. Cast is a wrestling a wrestler. Um, I'm trying to think. If there's anything remotely interesting from the past week of TV? Um, the Cena Reigns segment to start SmackDown last week. It was what it was. Um, they signed. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, they hot shot at the IC title match under SmackDown instead of doing it at SummerSlam because fuck the IC title apparently. Uh, Nakamura be going to be in Connecticut doing a charity gimmick. I showed you the shit. Yeah, I know, but it's WWE. They have a charter plane. Like, what are we doing, dude? It's during the day on Saturday. He can't very well get from Connecticut and leave at four. And be there for. I'm sure people. I'm sure people are going to be crying if Apollo Crews suddenly didn't show up to the event. Just say it, dude. Like, um. So Nakamura's the new IC champ. I'm going to guess won't defend it this weekend. No. I. I I got angry enough about old men. I'm not going to get angry about that now. (laughs) Um. Profits and Alpha Academy, who cares? I'll say Seth and Edge have done a really good job building up this match for SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, and I think Baron Corbin is... <laughs> he fucking stole the money in the bank briefcase. Um, I think they purposely did that just so they can bring it out a little longer as to when Big E's going to cash in. Because now they're just doing, right. they're doing the fucking uh, Cody fucking Sandow fucking gimmick. Yeah. I I don't know why I've been enjoying this shit with Baron Corbin so much, but it's just been funny to me. I don't know why. Yeah, it's been funny. Um, your typical contract segment with Bianca and Sasha, whatever. Wait, Raw. They weren't on the house show this weekend. Yeah, I heard about that. I just keep fingers crossed for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, RK Bro is reunited. Good for them. For now, they get a tag title shot. Just so either A, they're putting the belts on, or B, Orton's gonna permanently turn on Riddle. One or the other. I don't know. I'm leaning towards them getting the belts, but we'll see. Um, yeah, because now they announced the. The the stuff for the next Saudi show. I think they're just gonna. They're, I think the original plan was to put the tag belts on Mansoor and Ali, but now they're doing a King of the Ring final, so they're just gonna make Mansoor the King of the Ring because Mansoor wins all. <laughs> I like the way you put that. Thank you. Um, what else? Anything remotely interesting? It looks like they're trying to turn John Morrison. Face? Yeah, that's been a long time coming. That's he's he's more over now than he ever has been, and now's the time to pull the trigger. And like I, I said it a few weeks ago, like they never got to do a definitive Miz versus Morrison fucking feud. Correct. So I could see that being interesting. Um, anything else interesting? Um. No, not really. 
Not really. <laughs> the the end of the show was cringy with Bill and LSD. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that's that. Um, Did you do this shit over the weekend with the house show with Biggie coming out taunting Lashley in a towel? No. You can find this shit online. Like It was like New Day versus Lashley and I think MVP. And fucking Biggie just comes walking out in nothing but a towel. Just taunting fucking Lashley. Like, oh, with the briefcase? With what? Not with Boy. the briefcase. Just in a towel. <laughs> Because he doesn't have the briefcase right now because Corbin stole it on Friday night. Continuity. Some people know how to do it. That's amazing. Um, yes. <laughs> did you watch? Did you ever watch NXT, by the way, last night? Yes. I watched. I, I had to watch. Uh, I had to DVR and watch it when I got home because I was out. Yes, I so, it. opening match Dragon Off and Strong. I was trying to pinpoint. How originally? All right, let me. I think I pinpointed the spot where Dragonoff got busted, I, but I'm glad it turned out the way it did and not the other way. The way I originally thought. Yeah. So from what I saw, it came in a spot where he was trying to do a belly to back, and either either strong deadweighted him on accident, or didn't jump high enough for the arc. Or Dragonoff just wasn't strong enough to get the arc he needed on it. And it basically looked like Strong's back. What I originally thought, I thought he busted his nose. Now, obviously, he comes out later. It turns out he just got a gash above the bridge of his nose, like level yeah. to his, his eyebrows, essentially. So yeah. thank thank God for that on the, their booking end. Yeah. Um but yeah, that that looked a lot worse than it turned out to be. Because uh, again, I don't know if you thought the same thing, but I certainly I thought broken strong. nose. Yeah, yeah, I. But I gotta be honest, I thought originally that was a broken nose when I saw that, just because of how much blood was coming out originally. Yeah. Um, but it's good that it wasn't a broken nose. Obviously, we found that out later. Yeah. Um, whoever's doing these promo videos lately for the big matches for NXT takeovers, they need to get a fucking pay raise. Yeah, um, the Cole O'Reilly promo video was really good. Um, the one they showed with Cross and Joe before the ending of NXT, well, for the ending of the show with Cross and Joe tearing down the CWC, that was good too. Uh, Hit Row Legato, they basically had a brawl outside. Uh, that was funny. It just, it, it just sucks how that that's leading to just. A six man uh, next week's NXT and right, not. which has already been announced. Yeah, right. Um, poor Josh Briggs has to job out to Grimes, but it's Grimes. So I'm okay with the it. Once on TV. They'll let him fucking do. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, index beats. Yeah, uh, index beats Robert Stone and Kamea. The Gonzalez Dakota inter. The, the interview the interview with Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai wasn't really an interview. It was basically Beth asked a beginning question to Raquel, and then Raquel and Dakota clearly did some pre-taped shit. I, I don't know. It was fucking yeah. weird. You skipped um, over Indy for posing to Dexter. <sighs> <laughs> Come on, Mr. Index. Too soon. Bread and butter. Too soon. 
Like, I'm, I'm, I love it. I love it. I just, too soon. They, I'm going to put it this way. They hot shotted it a bit. I'm going to put it this way, though. He didn't actually say yes. The fuck do you mean he didn't say yes? He didn't say yes. He took the he ring and put it on and looked at her. Didn't say yes. He nodded his head yes. Did you not see him nod his head yes? He didn't say it. Are you trying to play uh, semantics on me right now? Is that what you're doing? I'm telling you, this is where they're going to go with it. You know why? You know how I know this. You see, years ago, a friend of mine and the girl he was with at the time, the girl bought him an engagement ring and she presented it to him. And he was just like, hmm, you want to go get pizza? Guess what? They're still not married. That's all I'm saying. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> Did she actually propose to him, though, or was she just yeah. giving him the ring? No, she was proposing. I don't know. That just seems a really... That seems like you're... That would be really, that, really... going to move Indy up to the main roster and she's going to start acting like every guy wants her because, you know, they did the same thing with fucking worthless, uh, uh, worthless Garza. You know, proposed to his fucking girlfriend in the NXT ring and then they bring him up to the main roster and he's hitting on everyone. <laughs> That's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit much considering, well, I'm... I, I'm not going there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stoop to the level of other podcasts. I'm just gonna shut up. Um, don't worry about it. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, our boy Carmelo Hayes. Let's go. Uh, formerly known as Christian Casanova, gets the dub over Duke Hudson. So it's him and Odyssey Jones in the finals of the NXT Breakout Tournament next week on NXT. Um. I've got hope for it. And then it's you good. mentioned the, uh, and then you already mentioned the banger of the the NXT tag title match, MSK retaining over Imperium after Walter tries inserting himself, but then Dragunov comes out and beats on Walter, while MSK counters out of the uh, the Euro Super Eurobomb, I think is what they call it, and yeah. then Lee got the roll up, I believe, on Eichner, something like yeah. that. That if you want the exact. He wants the exact finish. Go look it up. I'm pretty sure it'll be on Peacock within 24 hours anyways. Now, uh, I mentioned we're skipping the hot list because we got two special events to go over quick before we wrap things up. We got SummerSlam coming up Saturday. We got NXT TakeOver 36. So let's dive right into it. Um, you want to just go in chronological order? Just do that? Sure. All right. Let's start with Saturday night. SummerSlam, by the way, both events are 8 p.m. start times. SummerSlam pre-show at 7, the main card at 8 on Peacock. Uh, same thing for TakeOver. I believe TakeOver, if they're going to do... If TakeOver has a pre-show, it'll probably be at 7.30, I assume. And then the card's starting at 8. Uh, but anyways, to SummerSlam, no particular order. 
Uh, we start with, uh, you know, the highlight match of the night, Eva Marie against Alexa Bliss. Oh, Jesus. That's about right. Um, I guarantee you're have... going to work the match. Oh, yeah, it's going to be Dewdrop because Dewdrop is Eva Marie and Eva Marie is Eva Marie. It's all one and the same, apparently, at this point. And by Dewdrop, I mean Piper Niven. I'm sorry, Piper. I didn't mean to call you Dewdrop. My bad. <laughs> um, Drew versus Jinder. Uh, stipulation because of Drew winning his handicap match this week on Raw that Veer and Shanky are barred from ringside, which you know is not going to happen. They're going to come out at some point. Hey, at least it didn't end up being a Punjabi person match. Thank God, because there's no need for it. Uh, what else we got here? The other, the last match on the card as of right now that has no title implications, Edge versus Seth Rollins, which I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think it's a very big limb, but it's a limb. I'm going to say that has all the potential to making of being match the night. Yeah. Like Roman and Cena is going to be a banger, one would assume. Um, there's potential there with the triple threat for the Raw Women's Title. There's potential with Bianca and Sasha, but I think at the end of the night, we're we're going to be looking back and saying Edge and Seth match of the night um, overall. All right, uh, the championship matches. First off, we have AJ and Omos defending the Raw Tag Titles against RK Bro. Again, I think we're both of the assumption RK Bro is probably getting the belts here. Am probably. I correct on that? Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, Sheamus and Damian Priest for the U.S. title. I have my fingers crossed and every prayer to God that it's not going to be the challenger becoming the new champion. Yeah. And I can tell by the look on your face you want Sheamus. So we'll just move on. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Bianca and Sasha for the SmackDown Women's title. I I feel like the booker in me says Sasha wins and they have a tie-breaking match at Survivor Series. Mm. Uh, it's a tough honestly, call. Uh, honestly, I could see Sasha winning and then Becky making a surprise visit. Therefore, moving her to, from Raw to SmackDown, by the way. That would be interesting, actually. Uh, Usos defending the tag titles against the Mysterios. If the Mysterios win the belts back, I will riot. I will personally fly out to San Diego for Raw the next night and riot on that arena. I will form an army like oh, DX fuck. did with a little tank. I will drive into the receiving the area. In San Diego. Uh, I know Raw the next the uh, next Monday is oh, in Raw. San Diego. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because SmackDown was in San Diego. Booyaka, oh, oh. booyaka, six one nine. Um. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Nikki at uh, ASH whatever. Ashes, <laughs> uh, Nikki defending the Raw Women's Title against Charlotte and Rhea. I feel like everything's pointing to Charlotte, but that could be misdirection. I don't know. 
I think Nikki's going to retain, and I think the fucking I, I think the jabbing is going to be Charlotte showing up in Mexico this past weekend. It's going to any hope for her having gotten that belt back is gone for a while. They're going to put her in the doghouse. Oh, so we're still I punishing think, wrestlers in 2021 from behind the scenes chicanery. You don't say. I'm almost positive that we see a Nia Jax run in in that and have her take out Charlotte. Ooh. Well, because they did the whole thing on, on Monday. Right, right, right. 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 Nia was about to end the match. Charlotte tagged in, did the uh, yeah. the fucking. Uh, collection, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Then we get to our two heavyweight title matches Lashley and Goldberg. Please, God, please let Bobby win. This is the only time I swear in my life I'll ever pray for LSD to win a match. Please. Please. If there is a wrestling god, please let LSD win this match. I think you agree with me. I don't know, dude. I don't know. What are you going to do? Put it on Goldberg and have him hold it till Saudi? Um... Well, because I don't know if you've seen who what the plan is for Saudi. They leaked what the 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 dream match they want to do is the main event for Saudi. No, don't say it. Go ahead, but don't say it. Goldberg versus Cena. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No! 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 Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! 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 Oh! You realize, dude? You realize we still have another eight years of Saudi Arabia shows left. How long was the fucking contract? Twelve years? A decade, and then COVID happened. Oh, so we, we gave him a free year because of a pandemic? Great. No, it gets tacked on to the end. Oh, f- <laughs> fuck you. <sighs> How do you... Anyways. Uh, Roman versus Cena. Finn heel turn. Cost Cena the belt. I like that booking. It's better than anything else I've heard. All right. Finally. NXT TakeOver. L.A. Knight, Cameron Grimes. Cameron wins, lol. Yeah, we've talked about this at length a few times already behind the scenes. Cameron wins, gives um, the belt back to the Biasi. Yeah, that's the, that's the strong arm. Especially that opinion. promo he cut on Wednesday. Or right. Live, sorry, live yep, that's the, that's the opinion we have. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez defending the woman's title against Dakota Kai. I... <laughs> I Dakota wins. Raquel goes to the main roster. No, not, not yet. Not anytime soon. Okay. Think, All right. I, think, I just I, think I thought I threw it out there. Yeah. Uh, Walter and Dragonoff for the NXT UK title. I mean. It all depends. Like, it all, that's a hell of a fucking response. Thanks. 
See, here's my issue. Everyone talks about how amazing of a match Walter Dragunov won was. I couldn't get into it. I don't know if it's because it was in an empty arena. Probably. You didn't have that fan reaction, but I just, I, I wasn't, I, by no means was it a bad match, but I just couldn't get into it. Okay. So here we've had this build to it. Now they have fans there. Of course, it's the partial fucking fans because it's right. CWC. Right. Um, Cause God forbid they took the show on the road to Vegas, but whatever, go ahead. See, that's the thing. If they fucking, if they did this in Vegas, like they did with the other takeovers and shit, I, fucking, you would have such a crowd reaction for that fucking match. I mean, look at the crowd reaction they had for fucking Dunn versus Walter the night Dunn dropped it to him. Like, fucking insane. Uh, I I don't know. It's... For all the people that Walter has taken away, for someone as small as Dragunov to take it off of him, just, I... I I it doesn't sit right with you? It doesn't sit right, no. Um, can I throw out a legitimate option, potentially? Sure. Let's assume Walter retains. Mm-hmm. Considering we discussed before about NXT UK on here. Yeah. There seems to be this one-upsmanship that needs to happen at some point between two different guys. What if Trent Seven took it off him? We have to see what happens on UK this week. Because Mustache Mountain's going for the tag titles this week. But also... I don't know about Trent Seven being a viable contender. Well, you know why I'm saying Trent. Right, obviously. Because we discussed the whole Trent-Tyler narrative. Right, exactly. Tyler already had a a couple bangers with fucking Walter. Like, I don't know. Like, supposedly there was word that, like, they were going to think about having Harry Smith, like, feud with Walter, which would have been fine, but apparently that's not going to happen now. Hmm. So I'm not sure. I'm really just, I, I'm not sure. Harry could have been a good contender. Exactly. Um, what match do I want to do next? There's only two left. Uh, Cross and Joe, NXT title. Cross wins after, after a William Regal fucking turn. Regal turn? Do you think really? I said a few weeks ago. I think Regal's gonna fucking turn on Joe and fucking help Cross retain for numerous reasons. Number one, like I said before, the time where they showed the Cross laid out Regal, they just showed Regal on the floor. They didn't show him actually getting beat up. Could have been staged, as far as storyline goes. Uh. Joe, ever since he was put in that enforcer role, just obviously was overstepping his bounds from the very beginning. That could be the motive for Regal to say, I brought you in as a business decision and I regretted it instantly. So here, you know, and you want you, you threw away what I gave you because it was because you couldn't keep your own temper in check to want to be a main actor, to, to be on the main active roster again. 
And so now you're 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 my you're my underling, and I'm going to treat you like one. Also, here's the biggest factor. Joe has not had a match in almost two fucking years. You can't have a guy who hasn't worked that long. This isn't main roster shit. This isn't Goldberg comes back after fucking 10 years and his first match wins the Universal title. This isn't that. This is NXT. This is the work rate fucking program. Can't have a guy who hasn't worked a match in two years suddenly stroll in and beat the champ flat. Doesn't happen. And as it is, Joe got fucking blown up walking to the ring for that fucking last segment last night. I don't know. I'm. It's not that I don't see what you're saying. I'm just. I don't know. I'm. I'm very fifty-fifty on this match. Plus, it would be too obvious to have him lose with him appearing on the main roster right now. It would be just right. too fucking obvious. See, if Cross wasn't making appearances on Raw, I wouldn't even think twice about this. But just knowing the fact that he had tryout matches in the past couple of months, I would be suspicious of every title defense he has right now. Right. All right, finally. This is the one with a lot of intrigue if people have been paying enough attention to our shows the last few weeks. O'Reilly Cole 3, the undisputed ending, I think is, or undisputed finale is what they're calling it. I guess. Two out of three falls. Which, this is where I'm going to take issue, okay? This is where I'm going to take issue with two out of three falls. If your third and deciding fall is a steel cage, what's the fucking point of falls one and two? Because you're not going to announce a steel cage is fall three and not follow through on having that third fall. Well, yeah. The problem is it's because they did this before where they did a two out of three and didn't um, announce a third fall until, and then the night of the show, people were showing pictures of the, the cage hanging above the ring with all the weapons around it. I just don't like the fact that the third fall is the cage match. I think the third fall should be an I quit match. I like that. It makes or no last sense man standing. For, right. Something like that. It makes no sense for the first fall to be street fight and the second fall to be regular wrestling. It should be the other way around. It is the other way around. Oh, it is? The first fall is a regular fall. Oh, okay. Seconds. Second fall is a street fight. Okay. So but I agree with you. On, I agree with you on the third fall because I don't. I just don't like the the. I don't like the thought process of you announcing a cage match for the third fall because now you booked yourself into a corner where you can't go out of your way to to announce that setup and then not have the steel cage. People are coming to expect that, so you have to have the third fall. So at that point, right. you either a should have just booked it as a regular steel cage match to begin with, or use a different fucking simulation that. Worst right. case scenario, if you don't get to it, not everybody is going to be disappointed because at least you had a street fight for fuck's sake. Exactly. Um, as far as who wins, if you're to believe all the news out there about there being difficulties in contract discussions between Adam Cole and WWE, 
one would assume O'Reilly and then Cole maybe rides off into the sunset. I but I'm also one of those people who says don't believe everything you read. So I firmly believe since this all started when they when they first fucking when this feud first happened before the first match that it was when they first fucking said when they had when they had Colton O'Reilly I said that that it was going to end up going three fucking matches and O'Reilly was going to fucking win at the end and stay in NXT and Cole would be gone. That's why I honestly thought the entire time it would be a loser leaves NXT match. I think the only reason they didn't put that stipulation in is because of all the talk about his contract being up because then everyone's going to fucking, what do you call it? Like, because whether they fucking sign him to go on to SmackDown or not, honestly, I don't fucking care, but they they had to pull that little stipulation bit because of all the talk going around it. O'Reilly's gonna win. O'Reilly's gonna stay in NXT for at least another six months before they let him go. Cole's done in NXT. There's nothing more he can do there. Like he's a Grand Slam champion. Blah 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 blah. Motherfucker, let's call a spade a spade. You've been in de- developmental for six fucking years. Shitter, get off the pot. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, I, we're 90% of me agrees with you. It's just that other 10% again, like, I only believe half of everything I read. So it is what it is. Um, pull off my TV and I will be happy. I don't care when. No. <laughs> Get him off my TV. I am well aware of that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anything else? Buttercup. Eh. Eh. <laughs> eh. Um. So, uh, ha- kind of, sort of breaking news. By the way, um, this is something we discussed. <laughs> this is something we discussed. Um, but we're still waiting to lock down which is happening. Um. If you're checking out this show before SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 36 weekend, we are planning to go live at some point this weekend with a reaction show. Um, As of right now, we are leaning towards, based on our schedules, we are leaning towards Sunday night after TakeOver. It will be... Be an, a follow-up announcement on Twitter, on Facebook. So if you're not following us, at Brian Katie is the Twitter handle. At JJ underscore Alexander is the Twitter handle. Our boy Tom Goz, who runs Godzilla Media, is at Tom Goz, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. Make sure you're following us. We'll get the updates out um, and all that jazz. So yeah, just so you know, that's the deal, yo. So we're going to – this is the first time we're going to do it up big. In regards to like a big four weekend, so yeah, you gotta do it. Uh, that all being said, that wraps up episode 14. One four, <laughs> we can om- this this show can almost drive. Uh, episode 14 of White Heat presented by Godzilla Media, of course, sponsored by our friends at Mohawk Honda and uh, Scotia, as well as Johnstone Supply in Troy. And oh, and one last thing, real quick. Don't forget my boy Gaz. Uh, he's gonna be hosting 
Monday Night Football every Monday during NFL season at Smoky Bones on Central Avenue in Albany. Uh, so if you want to check that out, make sure you go do that. Great barbecue food, and it's Gaz. So if you don't like him, fuck off. That being said, I'm Brian. That's JJ. And we'll catch you next time on White Heat. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Later.